The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba. This is episode 26 and this is one I've been looking forward to for quite some time. It is an MLB prospects edition. And to talk prospects, I am joined by Nick Doran. You can meet him or reach him, not meet him, but you can reach him on Twitter at Real Nick Doran. He, uh, he writes for Roto World, The Dynasty Guru, and Red Leg Nation. Nick, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Been looking forward to this all weekend. It. You've been a busy, busy guy. Uh, I'd like to uh, personally thank uh, Yancey Eaton, another another connection. He has uh, brought this together. You're the first name he thought of when I asked him about a prospects guy. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. There's a lot of big names to talk about, so this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, Yancey's a great guy, and he also had another one of my buddies on a couple of weeks ago, Nate Dawkin. Yeah, Dawkin's a great guy. Uh, I've slowly gotten to know him over the last few weeks and just talking to him for like an hour was a blast. And we've talked a lot since then. So I have a feeling I'll be recording with him a few more times. I've had a, a lot of fun talking with him. So yeah, really good guy. So let's get into it. Um, you, you've, you have a, a nice list of things to talk about. We'll, we'll start on a broad scale and then we'll narrow it down. Um, when we think prospects, we think teams rebuilding for the most part. And we know like this off season, one team made a big splash, had a horrible farm system rebuilt by trading off big piece named Chris sale, another piece in Adam Eaton. That's one team that highlights it. Um, give us a couple teams that are um, some of the top teams prospect wise in major league baseball. Well, the team you're talking about is the Chicago white Sox who, uh, like you said, they turned around a really barren farm system traded off a couple of their superstars and reloaded uh looks like they really made some good deals they got a really strong return for sale and eaton they got uh yoan Moncada from the red sox who uh he's one guy that a lot of people think is the best prospect in baseball and he's he's already played a little bit in the majors he's probably uh gonna play probably most of the season with the White Sox this year. They released Brett Lowry to make room for him. And um, they also got uh, Lucas Giolito in the, in the Eaton trade. He's a lot of people consider him the, uh, the top pitching prospect in baseball, especially now that Alex Reyes has gone down to an injury and uh, they've really reloaded the system and, and turned a, what was one of the absolute worst systems in baseball into the best system of baseball. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, and, uh, and that's just two of the names because they 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 got like the, the Copic from uh, the Red Sox and a couple of their names there, and then you got Ronaldo Lopez and Dunning from the White uh, White uh, from the Nationals. It was a heck of a deal they put together there. Um, you look at uh, the next team on the list, the Atlanta Braves. They've been rebuilding for a couple years now, and um, they look like they might be. Another, I'd say, in my opinion, and we'll get obviously. I'm looking, I want your your opinion on this one. I'd say they're probably another year away, maybe two years. They're opening their new ballpark this year. Uh, we're going to see the likes of Dansby Swanson get to make his debut. Who they, in my opinion, and many others stole from the Diamondbacks. He's a former number one draft pick. But there's a lot of names that people don't know about. I don't even know about a lot of them. But they have a pretty stacked farm system. What do you know about the Braves? 
Yeah, they um, they've done they've acquired some of their players in trade. Also, like you mentioned, they ripped off the Diamondbacks to get Dansby Swanson, and um, they also got uh, Sean Newcomb from the Angels in the Andleton Simmons trade. They've made a bit of a splash in internationally, also in some of these signings on the the Latin American youngsters with Ronald Acuna and uh, Kevin Maitan. Kevin Maitan was the uh, the big get in the J2 signing period this summer. He's uh, often considered the best international signing since Miguel Cabrera, which that's a lofty standard to live up to. I wouldn't expect him to even come close to that, but that just tells you the hype surrounding him right now. And they, they've also got a lot of young arms in the system. They got a shortstop, Ozzy Albies, that's on the verge of the majors. And um, it was kind of weird, I thought, uh, you said uh, since they're a couple of years away, they're moving into that new stadium that they they signed um, R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon as free agents to come in. I mean, that's kind of like the opposite of prospect rebuilding, bringing in some 40-something-year-old guys to come in. Yeah, the only, the only uh, explanation I have for that, and a couple other guys are kind of guessing, it's it's just there to kind of buy time and keep them somewhat competitive. It's to eat up innings so you don't have to waste too many bullets from the younger arms. Maybe teach the younger guys how to, you know, be professional a little bit. It's about the only things we can think of. Yeah, and just to try to win some games in the first year in their new stadium. They don't want to yeah, just go in there and get blown out every day and get people demoralized in the brand new stadium, I think. Yeah, don't do it like the Marlins did in Florida, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, Another team, real quick, um, the the Evil Empire has rebuilt. Uh, they're they're fighting it this year. They they're they're trying not to trade pieces. They're trying not to spend too much money, um, but they they've gotten rid of the old stuff. McCann's gone. They made some nice trades last year by trading Miller and Chapman and got back um, Torres and um, Frazier. Frazier, thank you. I was, I was like, I could picture him. He's slipping my mind. But they have rebuilt very nicely. Um, we saw Sanchez uh, come through. Uh, the Evil Empire is rebuilding nicely. The Yankees are rebuilding. Fill us in on, on the Yankees. Yeah, they really uh, made a couple nice trades, trading relief pitchers for some elite prospects last year. Last year was a kind of a strange year around baseball, and you saw a lot of the top prospects get traded, which doesn't usually happen in most years. Uh, the last 10 or 15 years, you rarely see any of the number one, two, three, four prospects in baseball change hands like we have seen the last year or so. But uh, they traded Chapman to the Cubs, got Glaber Torres, uh, and he's a, one of the top five or ten prospects in, in all of baseball right now. And uh, they traded Andrew Miller to the Indians, got Clint Frazier and uh, Justice Sheffield, uh, two really nice gets. And uh, they've also got some guys that they just build up in their system, their first-round draft pick this past year. Blake Rutherford looking really good. He's going to be – he's a top 50 prospect right now and could be top 20 next year. And then you got the speedster, Jorge Mateo, who as a fantasy prospect a lot of people are really into him because of the stolen bases but he's not really the kind of guy that I like to go after as a prospect I don't like to invest in the guys whose best tool is speed I think they a lot of times they just don't pan out into being fantasy stars like we hope they will then you also got Aaron Judge the big giant right fielder who strikes out a ton it's going to be interesting to see whether he can uh, whether he's going to be the next Chris Carter or the next Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, no, he, he resembles a Giancarlo type, but yeah, at the same time, is he going to be able to hit enough or is, is he a Chris Carter? It's well, well said right there. And another name that many aren't talking about, but he's big on my radar right now is Greg Bird. If he can learn how to hit a left-handed pitcher, he's another young player that could play right into that, the development of that team, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, he's been good. crushing it too in spring training. Yeah, very, that swing is silky smooth, silky smooth swing. Yeah, and he missed um, most of the year last year with an injury, coming back now. Yep, exactly. Uh, the last two teams on your list, um, the Pirates and the Padres. The Pirates, 
um, definitely developing some nice young pitching talent in Meadows or not in Tyon and Glass now. Then they have Meadows in the outfield. That's one reason why they are ready to get rid of uh, McCutcheon. And then you have the Padres, a ton of young uh, hitting talent, pitching talent that they've been trading for and developing. Uh, some of which they got from the the Red Sox a few times. Um, why don't you briefly fill us in on those two teams? Well, the Pirates have four of the prospects of my top 30 list. So uh, that's pretty good. They they don't really have a whole ton of depth, but they're, they've really got some elite prospects that are in the top 30. You got uh, with Meadows, outfielder, ready for the major leagues, uh, can do it all, power, speed, play center field. But the Pirates don't have anywhere to let him play. They got a stellar outfield already across the board so like you said if, if he's going to get a chance it's going to take a trade or an injury and if they don't get off to a good start it seems like uh, McCutcheon would be the guy to let go so they could give Meadows an opportunity then you got uh, Tyler Glasnose the hard-throwing pitcher gets a lot of strikeouts but he's, he's just so wild that it's really kind of hurt his prospect stock it's gone down quite a bit since last year just because his walk rate is so high people are just not really willing to invest too much in a guy that uh, may end up in the bullpen because he can't throw strikes. Then you got Josh Bell, first baseman, who opinions are split on him too. I think everybody agrees he's going to hit for some for average, have a good on-base percentage, but he hasn't shown the any in-game power yet in the minor leagues. And uh, people are worried that he's going to end up being a, a James Loney type of first baseman, which is not really a fantasy relevant type of player. And there's also so so many concerns about his defense that it's so bad even at first base that people are worried that he's not going to get enough playing time or else he's going to end up being traded to an American League team. Then the, the fourth guy is uh, Mitch Keller, which is a lot of people think he's a pitcher as well. And a lot of people think he's passed – uh, glass now on the prospect charts is a little further away from the majors, but he's got much better control. Maybe not, maybe not the upside, more of a mid rotation upside possibly, but uh, he's, he's more of a sure thing. Nice. Nice. And uh, the Padres, they're still a little ways away, but uh, the talent they're they're deep, deep in talent. It seems like. Yeah. They don't have a lot of guys at the top. I mean, um, they have just more depth throughout the system. A lot of guys deeper in the system that could one day become stars, but uh, they don't really project as well. Uh, the top guy right now for them is Manuel Margot, who's a major league ready guy. He used to be a Red Sox prospect, which is, which is where he got a lot of his prospect helium and attention to get on these top prospect lists in the first place. Got traded to the Padres and, um, He's ready to play, but they're probably going to keep him in the minors for a m- month or two. And opinions are mixed on his eventual fantasy value as well. A lot of people are high on him, but I'm not as high as a lot of people just because I think he's going to be a two-category player in, uh, in fantasy leagues, and that's going to be stolen bases and batting average. I think he's going to really let you down in the, in the runs, RBIs, and home runs. So to me, he's not a guy that I'm really going out there hard and heavy to get, even though he's ready to play in the majors. All right. Uh, Let's move on to um, some of the top. uh, We'll kind of do a little fantasy twist here. Um, Some of the prospects, we'll start with the the hitters that are real close to making an impact in the the majors, likely to start out with the team potentially, uh, if not – like you mentioned, Yoan Moncada, let's start with him. He's he's the big piece in the Chris Sale trade, came in from Boston. He's in Chicago. You already mentioned his name. You said it's a great chance he's going to stay with the White Sox out of camp. Um, they released um, – Brett Lowry, uh, yep. So that's a that's a great sign right there. Um, what What's the outlook for Moncada? What can you expect, um, you know, coming out of camp with him? Well, if they do put him on the major league roster to start the season, I think you're going to see probably a very streaky player to start with. He strikes out a lot. Still very young. He's only 20. He's not even 22 years old yet. And uh, 
he's going to strike out a ton, at least in the first couple of years. So he's probably going to have a low batting average, but he's got a lot of power, a lot of speed. He's going to have middle infield eligibility at second base. He might end up playing some third. Uh, but yeah, this is a guy with superstar potential, but I just wouldn't expect it to be this year that he hits that level. Okay. And then um, another name you mentioned uh, for the Pirates, and it's going to require obviously uh, either an unfortunate injury or an Andrew McCutcheon trade. Uh, Austin Meadows, super talented. We've seen it in the minors. It might take a whole other year in the minors because they're not going to just bring him up and sit him down. It's just a waste of talent. Um, the day he does get brought up, what – and, you know, it's like you've already said with Yohan Mankata, and it's going to be the kind of the staple for most of these kids to develop. Um, once he gets developed, what kind of hitter are we looking at with, with Austin? Well, I think he's going to hit – he'll be eventually, once he gets his prime years, I think he's going to be a high batting average guy. Uh, high on base percentage guy because he's got a high walk rate doesn't strike out a ton for a young player he's got got power and speed so he could be um, a player similar to what the Pirates already have there some some kind of blend between Starling Marte Gregory Polanco and Andrew McCutcheon guys that can cover some ground in the outfield run the bases hit for some power and average Uh, they won't blow you away in any one category probably, but they contribute in all five fantasy hitting categories. That's what I would expect for Meadows. All right. Now here, here's a name uh, next on the list that catches my attention, eh? Cause he's on, uh, he's on my rivals down in LA, but this guy, this kid has some, some serious power. He spent, he finished last year in triple a. I'm talking Cody Bellinger, a uh, nice left-handed swing, hit an absolute bomb last week. Um, Adrian Gonzalez is currently signed through 2019. Um, it's going to be hard to just move him because he's getting old and just what it's, yeah, it's going to be hard when Cody gets the shot. Like, are we talking 30 to 40 Homer power more than that? Or is he kind of low 30 Homer power? Well, power is his calling card. I would say, in his prime years, I mean, he's a big guy. I would say he could hit 35, 40 home runs, sure. And the thing about him that makes him a little bit extra intriguing is that he can hit for average, too. He, he walks a lot, doesn't strike out that much. So there's no reason to expect he's going to go Joey Gallo, Chris Carter on you and just, you know, hit 40 home runs but kill you in batting average. I mean, he he's an athletic kind of guy. Yeah, he plays first base, but he's got the athleticism. He could play some outfield. That just gives you an indication that he's just not going to be a, a big, giant, fat guy that's just going to swing and miss all the time and and once in a while pop a home run. This this is an all around baseball player that can that has more potential. It can really be an all around fantasy stud. Nice, nice. Now, uh, next on the list is a uh, a kid playing for the Rangers. Uh, Lewis Brenton, uh, looking at his numbers in the minors, decent average, possible 2020 type. Um, spend some time in AAA. Looks like he's getting close, but there's really nowhere for him to go. Um, what's the outlook, you know, like ETA time, and what can we expect? Uh, you've obviously seen more than him. I'm just looking at numbers right now. Well, he's he's pretty close. I mean, he's 22 years old. He'll be 23 in May, and he actually got traded to the Brewers uh, during during oh, the season yeah. last year. Uh, I believe he was in the Jonathan Lucroy trade. He was the centerpiece of that deal. And, and he's uh, really close. Yeah, and he actually, once he got traded to the Brewers, and they put him in AAA, and he actually started to play a lot better than he had been in Texas. But here's here he's another player that he's going to hit for power and speed. He doesn't walk a lot, so it's not going to be much of an advantage to your team and on-base percentage. He should hit for a decent average, but he's not going to he's not going to have the on-base percentage to go with it. But he's a little bit riskier player, and I think he's going to take a little bit longer to develop. I think the Brewers right now are not expecting him to open the season with the big league club. It's possible he could be a summer, like a June call-up, July, if one of their starting outfielders kind of screws the pooch a little bit this spring. They might replace him with Brinson. Uh, 
But uh, he's, I think he's a little bit further away than some of the other guys that we've been talking about as far as a fantasy asset that you're going to want to put in your lineup this year. Okay, so he's he, so he's one of the ones kind of keeping on for maybe down the road a year or two from now. More of a dynasty keeper than yeah, I'd say definitely. I, yeah, even if he gets a shot this year, I wouldn't expect him to just hit the ground running in the major leagues. I would expect him to struggle a little bit. Uh, to me, he's not quite as good of a prospect as Moncada and Meadows and Bellinger. He's got that sort of potential for sure. He could be the guy that does it all in the major leagues, but. I think he's just a riskier investment right now. Okay. Um, we have a Dominican Republican player, um, Rymel Tapia. I believe he's playing for the Rockies right now uh, in the Rockies system. What do we have on uh, on Rymel? He, a lot of his value comes from what you just said, that he plays for the Rockies. Uh, he's He's got a sweet swing. Uh, very great hit tool. He's going to hit for a high average wherever he goes. The power is a little bit more questionable. He's got the speed, but power, once you get to, you don't have to have a lot of power to hit home runs when you're in Colorado. Uh, so when he does get the call, I think he's going to be somebody that you're going to want to put on your fantasy team right away. You're going to want to beat your co-owners to him. And, uh, just anybody who plays as a starter in that outfield in Colorado is going to be definitely fantasy worthy, and he's no exception. He's got the hit tool. He's going to hit. He's a guy that could is more likely to challenge for a batting title than for a home run crown. Okay. Um, yeah, Bradley Zimmer mentioned on the list here, and I'm looking him up right now. And um, I've seen he's drafted twice. I don't even have a team for him. What's the story here? He's a guy, he's an Indians, Indians out. He stock fall a little bit last year. Uh, he's still, you know, a nearly elite prospect, but not quite as high as he had been before. He's a, a burner on the base pass. He's going to steal a lot of bases. He can hit for home runs, but I think he's going to be batting average challenged. He does walk a lot, so he'll help you a lot in on base percentage leagues, but I would expect his batting average probably going to be, in his first couple of years, you're looking at like a 230, 240 batting average, which is pretty tough to put on a on your roster in a fantasy league. I'm a big believer in, in going hard after batting average players in fantasy leagues. Mm-hmm. And he's the kind of guy that I would avoid for that reason, but – He's going to seal probably upwards 30, 40 bases in a full season in the major leagues and, and probably hit 15 to 20 home runs. So if you can take that batting average hit, he's the guy to go after. He could be your next Byron Buxton. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last guy on the list, you mentioned him real briefly with the Padres via the Boston Red Sox. Manny Margot, like you said, a lot of talk about this kid. He might break camp with the Padres. Um if he does break camp, he could be a sleeper late round pick. If you do snipe him in your draft, what should people be expecting from him? Speed. I think you're gonna what you're gonna get out of him is stolen bases, probably a pretty good batting average. Doesn't strike out hardly at all, so that's a good sign for the batting average. Doesn't walk a ton, but he can help you a little bit in on base percentage. But it's not gonna give you much power, especially playing in San Diego where it's tough to hit home runs. So you're looking at a, a player that can give you batting average, stolen bases, maybe some run score, but he's going to hurt you in home runs and RBIs. Okay. So, yeah, he's just a little top-of-the-order roadrunner type, basically. So. Yeah. yeah, and I don't I don't really see the star potential there. I, I mean, he's a hot name right now because he's close to the majors and probably going to get a chance to play a lot this year. But eh, he, does, he doesn't really excite me as, as somebody that I'm trying to, to get. Gotcha. Let's move to the, uh, the the pitching mound, the rubber, and let's talk about some of the top pitching prospects that are uh, close to the majors. And you already mentioned one. He's pretty much the top pitching prospect out there. He came in the Adam Eaton deal. Um, we saw him a bit last year with the Nationals. He was up and down uh, results-wise. There's a lot of mixed results, like uh, opinions on him right now. That's uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, some are starting to say he's no better than a third starter. Some are saying just a few adjustments, the right system, 
he'll be back to that top prospect billing. Um, what are you thinking on Lucas Giolito? Well, I'm in the the latter camp, the the, the group of people that thinks he's going to be an an elite pitcher. Basically, I don't I don't think he's a mid rotation starter. I think he's much better than that. Uh, people are getting a little too down on him, and he had a 6.75 ERA last year with the Nationals, but that was only in 21 innings pitched. He started four games. I mean, that's way too small of a sample size to judge a rookie pitcher. So, yeah, I, I don't I won't worry about that too much. I mean, in the minor leagues last year, double A AA and triple A, he had a basically about a 2.5 ERA uh, for the season. He averaged over a strikeout per inning. Walk rate's not too bad. Uh, so yeah, he, this, he was a guy that was the the number one pitching prospect in baseball for two or three years running. And, uh, I believe the nationals drafted him in the first round and he had, um, Tommy John surgery right after being drafted and they waited for him came and he's been the number one prospect ever since he recovered from that surgery, number one pitching prospect. And I, I don't think that four games, four starts in Washington last year that didn't turn out well. I don't think that's any reason to uh, mark him down nearly as much as so many people have. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think a lot of teams wouldn't be wanting to still trade for him if he wasn't that talented still. That's just my two cents. Yeah, I totally agree. But but uh, another arm on here, which I think is a really good arm, and there's a reason – there's a reason the Pirates have not been willing to trade him or his cohort in the system. Tyler Glass now, um, this kid showed some signs of some life last season in his brief stint with the Pirates. It'll be him and Ty on this year making their debuts. Well, Glass made his last year, but it'll be Glass now's full first full season. What are we thinking um, as he's backing up Garrett Cole as the number two in the rotation? I'm still high on him. I, I, a lot of people are scared to death by his walk rate. He walked a lot of people last year, uh, both in the majors and the minors. He's never really learned to harness his stuff, but he's got great stuff. He strikes people out left and right. He's going to have a really high strikeout rate, and it's just a matter of time until he refines that command a little bit, gets keeps the ball over the plate a little bit more, and, and keep, cuts that walk rate down to a manageable level. But this, he's a guy with – with top of the rotation upside, uh, all-star ceiling. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't get scared away by that walk rate uh, with a guy that's so young. Okay. Um, another one that I'm very high on, and we know our, our buddy Yancey Eaton is ecstatic on, he might not start the season with the big club, but we will definitely see him sometime in 2017 and foreseeably in the future for years to come. Jose De Leon, the key piece, the only piece in the Logan Forsyth trade. Uh, what are we looking forward to with him? Well, like you said, he was traded to the Tampa Bay Rays, so that's why Yancey's so excited. But I uh, can't blame him there because this is a an elite prospect. Uh, I was surprised. I mean, I really think the Rays kind of ripped off the Dodgers in that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, De Leon is the real deal. He's got a uh, very good strikeout rate low walk rate. So I, I don't, I don't see anything to not love about him. I think he's going to be a really good pitcher in, in Tampa Bay, which is a good fr- uh, pitcher friendly ballpark to begin with. I mean, pitchers can struggle to get the wins down there, but he should have a really good ERA and, and whip and everything else that we need from a pitcher. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Jose De Leon. Very nice. Uh, you mentioned Josh Hader. I believe he's in the Milwaukee Brewers system still. Um, he's got the, the the luscious locks. Does he have the the cannon of an arm to go with it? Yeah, he does. A lot of people consider uh, he's got a funky pitching motion. A lot of people compare him to uh, Chris Sale for that purpose. You've you've seen Chris Sale with that crazy sidearm, reaching, throwing, pitching from first base. Essentially, that's that's basically kind of what Josh Hader does. Uh, he's he's been a kind of under the radar prospect for the last couple of years. He's put up great results in the minor leagues, but people just been scared, so scared by that throwing motion that they they always want to predict him to be in the bullpen. Uh, but as we've seen with Chris Sale, sometimes pitchers with crazy pitching motions like that don't have to go to the bullpen. They can make it work 
and survive without their elbows falling off in the major leagues as a starter. And I think that's where he's going. He, he uh, very high strikeout rate. So I think he's, he's got a lot of potential and he's a, he's a prospect that you can get for a lot lower price than some of the other guys we've mentioned. Very nice. Uh, the next one's the, one of the other pieces the White Sox received in the Adam Eaton deal. And part of me feels this might be almost better than Giolito in the long run. Ronaldo Lopez, this kid to me has some very, very filthy stuff. Um, he's a little farther behind Giolito in development, but he's real close at the same time. Um, what are you thinking on Lopez? I love Lopez. I think he's got great stuff, like you said. Uh, I was real. I couldn't believe that uh, the White Sox got both of those pitchers in that deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, that was just a, a steal for them. Uh, Lopez, he he actually reached the majors last year too. He he actually threw more innings in the major leagues than Giolito did. But uh, the question with with Lopez is, most people I think believe that he's going to end up in the bullpen. Uh, he's going to end up as, you know, a late inning reliever, possibly a closer eventually. Just people don't think that he's going to hold up to a, a workload as a starter. I mean, I don't know if I believe that or not, but he, he's definitely a riskier investment as a prospect than Giolito just because you may not get a starter. You may end up just getting a reliever, but a really good reliever. Oh, very good reliever. It could be – Potentially closer stuff because he's got the, the the off-speed slider. If he has picked some velocity on the fastball, that could be filthy. Yeah, um, he's got great stuff. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, we're going to the Rocky Mountains. Um, a pitcher drafted in 2014, Jeff Hoffman. He had a couple starts last year in Colorado. Um, seems like he has some pretty good stuff. He's a big boy, 6'5". Is this an arm that can maybe translate to Coors? I don't think so. I don't think such a beast exists, really. I mean, I, I would, I would That's never, <laughs> I would never draft That's a pitcher fair. for the Rockies and in a fantasy league. I mean, it's just <laughs> name one pitcher that's ever succeeded for more than one year in Colorado. I mean, I can't name one. I mean, you had Ubaldo Jimenez who had like on a, a near Cy Young quality season there, one season, but nobody else has really been able to do it. So, yeah, I, I mean, this is a great pitcher. He was an awesome prospect when he was with Toronto, but once he got traded to the Rockies, I mean, yeah, he's still a great pitcher, but you're pitching in, in Colorado. I don't want you on my fantasy team, and unfortunately that's where it's at. He's he's in the major leagues now. He should be in the major leagues all year. But, uh, I mean, the best you can hope for is a, is a John Gray-type pitcher where you can use him in his away starts. Okay. And the last one on the list, um, after the sad news of Alex Reyes having to have Tommy John surgery, this name was brought to the forefront much more. That So the um, the average Joe started to, to realize who he was. Luke Weaver for the Cardinals, very talented prospect. Um, there was a chance he was going to make an appearance later on this season. And they're they're still not they're not going with them out the gate. They have their five man rotation set at the moment, but it is the Cardinals. You never know; he might get a shot here sooner than later. Um, what are we looking at with Luke Weaver? What kind of stuff does he have? Well, he's not. He doesn't have the, the pure stuff of the other pitchers we've been talking about, but he does have good stuff. I mean, he struck out forty five batters in thirty six innings in the major leagues last year. So that's pretty darn good. If he could keep that up, he'd be a superstar. But I wouldn't expect him to keep it that high. I mean, even in the minor leagues, he didn't strike out that many batters per inning. But he's a guy that should be nice and solid, pitching in in a nice pitcher's park in front of a team that can score him a lot of runs, and that's going to translate into a lot of wins over the next few years. So even though he may not be a top-of-the-rotation type of star pitcher, he's a guy that you can get for your – for the backside of your fantasy rotation uh, at a very low price. And he'll, he'll, he'll deliver some results for you. Perfect. Um, let's go over some names that a lot of people do know, especially if you're preparing for fantasy drafts, because these are prospects or some actually start to consider rookies now, because they are going to break camp with the team and some will actually have starting jobs. 
Let's start with the um, all-around number one prospect in baseball on all the new lists. Andrew Benintendi of the Boston Red Sox. This kid came on the scene last year, and he did not disappoint. Um, and he's, he's he's got his chances this year to be really special. What are you expecting from Benintendi this year? For this year, I would expect excellent batting average, uh, some stolen bases, uh, some home runs, but just just being in the middle of that Red Sox lineup that's going to score a ton of runs, he's going to put up a lot of runs and RBIs uh, no matter what happens. I mean, that's that's a given. I think – I don't know. that I wouldn't say that he's overrated at all by any means. He deserves to be the number one prospect. But I'm not sure that he's going to end up being a fantasy superstar. I mean, this is not a guy that's going to challenge Mike Trout for the best player in baseball, even though he's the top prospect in baseball. You're looking at a guy that's going to hit for average, but the power's still in question to me. I mean, he he hit between all levels combined last year. He had 11 home runs. Hmm. I mean, that's that's not first round fantasy material to me. He's he's going to steal. Probably he's going to probably hit maybe 15 home runs a year and steal 15 to 20 bases per year and hit 300. And you combine that with the Red Sox lineup, you're talking about 100 runs scored, 100 RBIs with those numbers to go with that. So that he's still an elite player, somebody I definitely want on my fantasy team. But I think people might be getting just a little bit overzealous with him. Yeah, because if you're not getting the the powers and steals to go with it at the level of the draft you're having to take them, you're only getting two to two and a half categories. Kind of not you're not getting your value out of it. But um, he's only 22 years old, and he's going to get better. He's going to grow into more power. But that's what I would expect for this year. But going down the road, two, three, four years down the road, I think you're going to see more power. The speed will probably dwindle. I mean, he's not a big guy, five foot ten, 170 pounds. I wouldn't expect a ton of power, but I think he's going to eventually he'll hit for 20-plus home runs. Okay, I think like 20, 25 homers kind of what I was – yeah, estimate. down the road, and two or three years from now. Yeah, yeah, because you think with that team, as they kind of, you know, the elder statesmen move out of the way, the Hamleys, the Pedroyas, and the works, you'll have him and Mookie probably be in the middle of the order. Would be my guess. He'll, yep, that's kind of where I see it. And they're always a, a high-scoring team in that ballpark, and with they they can afford whatever they want. Yep. They're gonna they're gonna have some stars around him. He's gonna he's gonna put up those counting stats for sure. Yep. Another name we've mentioned before, and I'm really curious to hear your in, your your opinion on this because you've definitely probably written about him. You've done way more research than most on him because um, everybody's seen the shiny new toy in the shop, and they all want a piece of him on their fantasy team. And I'm not saying he's not going to be a really good ball player because I think he's going to be. And down the road, I'll probably have him on my fantasy team. And if I had a dynasty team, I'd be more than thrilled to have him on my team. But this year where you have to draft him, I'm scared. I'm talking Dansby Swanson, who, like we said, they fleeced Arizona to get him, the Braves. But where you have to draft him right now is kind of scary, what I'm expecting this year. What are you expecting this year and down the road with Dansby, Dansby Swanson? A good, solid player, but not a superstar and not a, not a fantasy first round pick. I mean, this is, he's kind of like Benintendi in some ways and that he's going to hit for a high average. Doesn't have a ton of power, doesn't steal a ton of bases, but he's going to, but the thing with him that separates him from Benintendi is that he doesn't have the high powered lineup around him. He's not going to have, he's not going to be getting hundred runs and RBIs every year like Benintendi is just because of the, of the lineup around him and the ballpark that he's playing in. So, but he does play shortstop which is an, an advantage over Benintendi uh, in position eligibility. So I think he's going to be a top 10 shortstop, but probably not a top five shortstop in fantasy leagues uh, for the next few years. Okay. I like that. Um, you already kind of mentioned this one, so we can just kind of briefly talk about it. Uh, Josh Bell for the Pirates. You don't, you're, you're worried about the power potential. You kind of compared him to James Loney. So you probably wouldn't play with them this year. Would you consider dynasty team? Yeah, dynasty team for sure. You got it. You got to invest in him. But 
I mean, again, the power is going to be an issue. He doesn't steal bases either. And I think he's going to hit for a pretty solid batting average, probably, you know, this year, maybe 270. And then as he gets a little bit older in the next couple of years, maybe get up 280, 290 in batting average. He does walk a lot. So if you play in an on-base percentage league, it's going to tick up his value quite a bit there. You're probably looking at 350 to 370 on-base percentage, which is well above average. Um, The power for last year combined in over 600 plate appearances, he had 17 home runs. And, but he's a big guy. He could grow into more power. He's got a lot of raw power. It just hasn't really translated into game power yet. You know, a lot of people are confident that he will start hitting home runs in games more often. But, you know, he's, he's 24 years old and still hasn't shown it. So to me, I'm, I'm not going to count. I'm not going to rely on that. I'm not, that's not money in the bank. I, I want to see it before I invest in it. Yeah, no, that's kind of the consensus I'm hearing around the industry right now. Uh, talking about San Diego Padres again, uh, this is a, a guy we saw towards the end of last year, and he lived up to the hype. He's a masher. He hits the ball and hits it hard. Uh, we're talking Hunter Renfro. I like him as a late pick even this year for your fantasy teams. He's going to he's gonna hit a lot. Um, there might not be a lot of people on base for him in San Diego, which is a downside but uh, I, I think there's potential with Renfro. What do you ha- uh, what are you thinking on him? I agree. Uh, he's definitely got the power. He's got the power that we that we wish Josh Bell would have. But this guy's power is for real. Renfro, for one thing, he's going to be the starter this year from the beginning of the season in in San Diego, from what I've heard. So he's going to get plenty of chance to play. Uh, he doesn't walk. Rarely walks. So that's going to hurt you in on-base percentage leagues, but he should hit for a decent enough batting average for a power hitter. Probably 250 batting average, something like that. I mean, it's not going to be Chris Carter-esque where you can hit 40 home runs and then you still don't want him on your team because he hits 200. That's not what Renfro is going to be. Uh, he's got the big-time power, uh, but you know, San Diego is a tough place for a power hitter to play. So if he goes into an extended power slump, he's he could end up, losing his job in the outfield to someone like Manuel Margot. Uh, so it's not guaranteed that he's going to play all year. Uh, sometimes managers don't give a lot rookies a lot of rope if they go into a slump. So he's kind of a risky pick, but I think long-term he's going to be a, a reliable power hitter in, in your lineup. Another power hitter we were talking about earlier who I think definitely down the road is going to be a reliable power hitter but it's like you said, we don't know which one he's going to be just yet. But I'm hoping it's the Giancarlo. We're talking Aaron Judge. Um, the part that's scary this year, because they've already talked about it, the platoon situation. Um, what are you kind of gauging this year with Judge? Well, I think the Yankees would like to see him run away with the right field job. Uh, I mean, Aaron Hicks, to me, is not really – but stiff competition. So I think it, unless he gets off to a terrible start, I think he's going to get the vast majority of the playing time. But uh, he did really struggle in his first taste of the major leagues last year. He only played 27 games in the majors, but he had a 179 batting average with four home runs, which is, which is terrible. But you might recall that Mike Trout was terrible in his first small taste of the major leagues as well before he busted out the second year. But, uh, I wouldn't expect anything like that from Judge, but he's probably a guy that's going to hit for a fairly lowish batting average and just crush baseballs over the fences. Uh, six, he's six foot seven, two hundred fifty-five pounds. You don't see too many guys that big hitting for high batting averages in the major leagues throughout history. So I wouldn't expect a whole lot in the batting average department, but he can crush baseballs. So I think he's going to turn out to be more like John Carlo than Chris Carter, though. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, This name right here, people, if you're going to remember a lot from this podcast, for your fantasy draft at least, for your seasonal one, not your dynasty, this name right now, Tom Murphy, if you want a catcher, if you're not going to draft one early, remember this name. Um, I believe he has a great shot of starting, if not right out the gate, real soon for the Rockies. 
he's pretty talented and um he can hit the baseball and oh yeah he plays in course field half the season so yeah. um I'll, I'll let nick tell you the real good stuff about him but i saw him as a, a giants fan once in a while last year the kid can play a little bit yeah he's a catcher plays for the rockies he's a bat first catcher he's known for his stick much more than his glove and uh, he's battling Tony Walters for the starting job in, in Colorado, where Walters is the glove-first guy who can't hit that much. And uh, Murphy's the guy that does hit. So fa- as a fantasy owner, we all want Tom Murphy to win that job as the starter in Colorado. But even if he doesn't and he just plays you know, two or three times a week, he would be a great play in daily fantasy leagues when he is starting in Coors Field. Um, but – yeah, this, the guy can hit. You combine a guy that can hit in a hard-to-fill fantasy position like catcher, uh, put him in course field, yeah, if he's you, you want him on your team. Yep, this, that, that's a name that the only downside, like, like Nick was saying, is he's going up against a defensive catcher, and they have a new manager, Bud Black, who's a pitching manager who might prefer the defense because the other seven guys in the lineup – can all hit the ball about 500 feet, so they might not be worried about sacrificing a position. That's the only downside. Yeah, that's, but, a, good uh, point. that's a good point there. I hadn't thought about, you know, Bud Black coming out there. That that That's a little bit worrisome. <laughs> yeah, that's the only downside because Bud Black's going to do everything in his power with that young staff who's very talented because you mentioned, you know, like Gray and those kids. Uh, it was Anderson was the lefty. And yeah, I like of, Tyler Anderson. He had a good year last year. Yeah. And there's, they're talented kids. It's just you pitch in Coors Field. It's like you already have a hand tied behind your back. It's um, You see how good they can be. Um, Bud Black is going to get everything he can out of them, and if it requires sacrificing a pitcher for an out and a catcher for an out and just hitting with seven guys, basically he'll do it. So yeah. that's the only concern I have. So, but Murphy can literally break. Let's keep an eye on that. If you if you're one of those that drafts like it's football and you punt the, the kicker position, you punt catchers. That's a name to, re- to think about. Um, and the last name, this kid can absolutely rake. Also, the Mariners received him in a trade with the Cubs. Dan Vogelbach just hit the snot out of the ball. First baseman has a good shot of getting the everyday job. Hopefully Uh, what do you have on this one, Nick? Yeah, he's, he's a guy that's all bat, no glove. Basically the Cubs were forced to trade him to an American league team because he's incapable of playing defense. So he had to play designated hitter and uh, it looks like he's going to be the starting designated hitter for the Mariners. Most days he's probably going to be in a platoon situation to start with. But uh, I would expect him to win most most of the playing time, even against uh, left-handers. He can really hit. He can, he can hit for average. Can hit for some power. He's not going to steal you any bases at all. But I mean, he reminds me of a left-handed Billy Butler. I mean, the big uh, country breakfast. Just a big, heavy guy that can just rip the bat through the zone. And uh, but yeah, he can definitely hit. So if you can get him for a low price for your team. Uh, I think it'll pay off. Perfect. Uh, let's go. We're going to move on to some players to look at um, or keep an eye on. Maybe when you, after you draft, you can, you know, put them on your, 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 your list to watch for your scouting list for the year or whatever. Keep an eye on them. Good chance they come up sometime throughout the year. Uh, we already mentioned Lewis Brinson. Keep an eye on him with the Brewers in the outfield. Um, this name originally, when we talked, had a chance coming up early. The latest reports, he might be the fifth starter in the rotation. Um, Robert Gesselman of the New York Mets. What do you have on him? I'm really high on him. I think he's he's really got good stuff. He's got good results throughout his minor league career. He came up last year and pitched seven games as a starter with the Mets, 44 innings. Had a 2.42 ERA, uh, struck out very close to a batter per inning. And he was never much of a prospect. I mean, he never made the top prospect list at all when he was in the minor leagues. 
But uh, he really kind of broke out last year, got on people's radar, still only 23 years old. Uh, big guy, six foot four, just great stuff. And there's a lot to like. He's going to pitch up for a good team and a good pitching ballpark. Uh, it looks like right now, yeah, like you said, he's going to maybe break camp as in the starting rotation. So, yeah, I, I would try to get him late in your drafts. I think that he would be a, a great sleeper candidate. Yeah, he looks very, very talented. Like you said, late in the year last year, threw very well. They were they were throwing him in big, big situations last year when they needed him most, and he did not disappoint. Um, I remember even using him in daily fantasy situations. He was value and threw great. Um, he's very talented, and I think he's going to be a great fifth starter for them. And uh, the only thing you got to remember is he is young. And this is a question I wanted to ask. I was going to save till the end, but we might as well talk about it right here before we talk about the next arm. Um, with these young prospects, how do you approach, especially from a fantasy perspective, the potential innings limits that these guys will take? I don't worry too much about that, especially early in the season. I mean, he threw, what, about 150 innings last year, all told, between – three different levels. So I don't think he'll be cut down too much, but I mean, I wouldn't worry about that now. I'm a pretty active trader in my fantasy league. So I'll let him get off to a good start. And then if maybe there's some rumors that maybe he'll, he's going to get shut down early for some reason, then that's when you try to trade him at, you know, in June or July or something before anybody else gets wind of it. But yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about that, especially with him. And for uh, maybe for, you know, some new players or whatever, for most systems, wouldn't you say as they develop some of these young arms, they kind of try to baby them about, what, 50 to 50 or so innings every year more as they come off of injuries or as they go through the system? Or what's, what's, what's most – what's typical, I should say? I would say most of the time they try to keep the innings increase from one season to the next to like 25 to 30, maybe 40 at the most. Um, so if he pitched about 150 innings last year, maybe they'd limit him to 180. But you can get 30 starts in, and maybe they'll skip him once through the rotation in August or something or maybe start pulling him after five innings instead of six occasionally if he's – running up against the innings limit. But, you know, a team that's in in contention like the Mets are likely to be is less likely to shut him down early. Mm-hmm. So I, with, with, with him, I, with Selman, I wouldn't be worried about it too much. Okay, that's really good information. Really good. Uh, and that brings me to this arm. This is a very, very talented arm. If for some reason he can't make it in the rotation, he is the next wild thing Vaughn out of the bullpen because he throws gas. And he looks like he might have the mentality to be that guy. Talking about Michael Kopech, or, uh, came from the Red Sox in the Chris Sale deal. He is a flamethrower. I'm just waiting for that Tommy John message coming across because he throws so hard. But I hope he does. I'm not, I'm not rooting for an injury. Never rooting for an injury. But um, you're saying he might be a midseason call-up. What are we thinking with him? Well, for for some of the reasons that you mentioned, uh, when a guy throws, he's been rumored to throw 105 or more miles an hour. Uh, he hasn't really done that in an official game that I know of. But, I mean, this is a guy that can throw as hard as anybody, even a rolled as Chapman. And uh, so when you get a guy that's throwing that hard, you may be tempted to get some use out of him in the major leagues before he throws his arm out. So they may not baby him as much as they would. I mean, he's never pitched above high A ball. He's only 20 years old. But like you said, the guy that throws that hard is probably likely to throw his arm off at some point. So he might as well get get the use out of that in the major leagues, use those bullets in the major leagues before before the arm falls off. Yeah, and like I, I want to re- repeat myself. I'm not rooting for an injury. It's just the way of life these days, people. When you're throwing that hard – just go through. Just go through the people that have had Tommy John surgery and tell me how, th- how hard most of them have thrown. It's just yeah. how it works. Yeah, I mean, they're all, they're they're all gonna facts. have an injury eventually. It's just a matter of whether they're twenty two, twenty five, or thirty. They're yep. all gonna get hurt. There's only so many bullets in those arms, and they're they're firing them fast. Yep. 
Uh, you already mentioned uh, Rymel Tapia of the Rockies, the speedster. Um, keep an eye on him midseason. Maybe a call up to help you with your stolen base categories. Um, looking at uh, Amir Garrett uh, for the Reds, I believe. Yeah, he's a big left-handed starting pitcher for the Reds. He reached Triple A last year. Uh, I think combined between Double A and Triple A, he had about a 2.4 ERA approximately. Strikes out about a batter per inning, left-handed, uh, ready for the majors. And the Reds have a pretty terrible rotation. They're likely to have some opportunities for him this summer. They probably won't want to call him up too early because they're not in contention. They don't want to start his arbitration clock. Uh, but I think he will see some action in the major leagues this year. He's a guy that used to play baseball – or, I mean, excuse me, basketball in college – so he didn't pitch for a couple of years, at least full-time. Uh, he's 24 years old now, almost 25. Still a fresh arm, even though he's 25. He's, his arm's really only you know, a couple of years younger than that, I would say. Fresh arm, still learning how to pitch, ton of talent and athleticism. Uh, he's a guy that could potentially break out, I think, and, and vastly outperform the price that it takes to get him. All right, and the last one we have here is a uh... – a first-round pick, the second overall pick in last year's draft for the Cincinnati Reds, Nick Senzel. Uh, you're thinking he can make an impact this year, huh? Yeah. I mean, last year we saw Ben Intendi and Alex Bregman reach the major leagues uh, the year after they were drafted and uh, you know immediately uh, become fantasy-worthy players. And I think Nick Senzel is the most likely candidate from last year's draft to do that this year. I mean, the other guys that were drafted early in the first round last year were mostly high school, drafted out of high school, or else they got hurt. And uh, they're not going to be ready to play in the major leagues this year, no matter what. But Senzel is is ready, nearly ready to, to reach the major leagues. He's only played in, to, to A ball, but I think he's gonna, a guy that's going to advance rapidly through the minors and probably possibly reach the major leagues this year. And if he does, he hits for average, steals some bases, doesn't have a ton of power, but uh, he takes a lot of walks. So if you're playing an on-base percentage league, he's going to be a real asset. And he's going to play for a team in a park that scores a lot of runs, Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. High scoring, probably. He's going to get plenty of RBI and run scored opportunities. So, yeah, I think he's the best bet out of all the guys that are available. If, For example, if you're in a dynasty league and you have a first-year player draft, all the players that were drafted or signed last year, uh, he's he's the number one pick in that draft. I'm going to write that down because I'm on year four of a dynasty draft, and I'm going to keep note of that one right there. Thank you very much. Um Let's talk about a couple foreign players. Uh, there's always, you know, the Dominican players or um, Japanese players or so, someone's always getting signed from uh, somewhere else. And we have the World Baseball Classic coming up, and we'll always hear, like, the dice case of the world that'll get your attention. And there's one, the Japanese Babe Ruth. And I'm going to probably mispronounce this. Shohei Otani? Shohei I think, Otani? I think it's Shohei, but I'm not 100% Shohei. certain. Shohei Otani. Yeah. But yeah. he uh, he's a two way player. He's a he's probably the, like the best hitter and best pitcher in the Japanese league. So when he comes here, nobody really knows whether he's going to be a pitcher or a hitter, or maybe even both. He could be one of like the first two way player that's really really good both ways since Babe Ruth. But uh, lights out pitcher can really hit. Also, uh, just question is when is he going to come to the United States? Because in uh, Major League Baseball passed a new rule this year, which made it harder for the Japanese players to come over here. And uh, there's rumors whether it was targeted at him or not, but it's definitely affecting him, and it's going to probably delay his arrival in the United States by a couple of years, unfortunately. But if when he does come over, he's going to be highly sought after. He's, Big bucks. Yeah, there's rumors he was going to try to come over this year, but that obviously did not happen. Um, I know he wants to come over as soon as possible. Uh, so everybody watching the World Baseball Classic, keep an eye out on this guy. He's 
something special to say the least. Um, the other name, the big Cuban name of the year, there's always one or two. Lourdes, Lourdes Guriel. We saw his brother come over last year, I believe. And then he came over this year to the Blue Jays, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's a heck of a look, good-looking ball player, and he might have an immediate impact or a real soon impact. Correct. He's – I mean, Uleski, the older brother, is like, what, 32 years old? Okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty good player in Cuba and expected to be pretty good here. But sources say that his younger brother, Lourdes – who's only like 22 or 23, I believe, that he is actually much more talented. That's what the rumors have been. But it was a little bit surprising that the, the when the Blue Jays signed him, they got him for less money than people thought he was going to get. So I don't think he really, when they had the workouts for all the teams, it didn't really wow people as much as they th- expected. So it cost him some money in the when he signed. But... He has some really good results in the Cuban professional leagues. So it's just a matter of whether you want to think the real Lourdes Guerrero is what you saw in the workouts or when he was actually playing games in Cuba. But it's been a couple of years since he actually played in games in Cuba. So, And now that he's with the Blue Jays, we still, still don't even really know what position he's going to play, whether he's going to be an infielder or an outfielder. Uh, ideally he'd end up being an infielder, like a second baseman, preferably. That would be more valuable as a fantasy asset than an outfielder. But but sources believe that he's pretty close to the major leagues, even though he's still young, that he's not going to take a lot of time in the minor leagues and that he could actually come up uh, this summer and, and make an impact this year. Okay. Keep an eye on him as well. Uh, last but not least, we've talked to so we've already talked about guys that'll start with the the bigs this year. Some that'll be up real soon, some mid season. Um, so most of them that'll have an impact right away, if not the beginning of next season. Let's mention a few names just to keep on the radar. You know, a couple years down the road, dynasty league style that we'll probably talk about again some other time. Um, just real quickly, we don't have to go too deep into this, but the likes of, you know, the number one pick last, last year, Mickey Moniak, everyone talked about him. Um, how far away do you think, you know, we are for Mickey? Uh, I think you're looking at least two or three years down the road. He's only 18 years old. He was drafted out of high school, first pick of the draft. Um, so we don't really know what we got. He's still, he's going to give you some speed, but it's just it's too early to say how good he's going to be, but obviously the Phillies thought he was going to be really good, and the history of number one overall picks in the draft has been really good. So uh, he's kind of the cream of the crop of the of the the big high school outfielders that were taken in the first round. I, I would go with him first if you're in a fantasy draft. Yeah, another high school outfielder take eleventh overall last year uh, from the Mariners, Kyle Lewis. Another. Another couple years, kind of Moniac style. Yeah, he's a little older, I and mean, he's 21 years old. Um, he was the he 11th pick of the draft. Sorry, he went to Mercer. Sorry about that. Yeah, but he's still kind of in the same boat. It's going to be a project, especially because after he signed and started playing in games in, in uh, low A with the Mariners, he uh, blew out his knee, uh, suffered a pretty bad knee injury. So – it's, it's a question of whether when he's going to be able to actually even start playing again, he's still injured. So he's, he's, he's a good two, three years away probably from reaching the major leagues as well. Uh, we have Corey Ray out of the university of Louisville fifth overall pick by the Milwaukee Brewers last year outfielder. Um, he's gotta be pretty close. I'd imagine though. No? Yeah. Uh, he's definitely closer. He's 22 years old. Uh, played at high A last year, but he also hurt his knee. So he's still recuperating from that. And uh, he's not playing baseball yet. Just, I think he was just cleared to run. So this is going to be probably a recuperation season as well for him. And he's going to be a couple of years away from the majors also. Uh, you mentioned uh, Blake Rutherford. That's a name we've heard recently with the New York Yankees. Actually, they mentioned he could be a potential trade target as, as of late. Um, 
what are we talking about with him? Uh, pretty much the same. It's just a, a high school player, long way from the majors, tons of talent. Uh, we haven't really seen him play much yet, so it's hard to see what we've got in terms of power and speed. But uh, I think he's got both. He's supposed to be a really good bat, so we'll just have to wait and see. It's going to take another year or so to, fi- to figure out exactly what we got. Okay. Well, then we got the likes, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Maton, I think I mispronounced that, Adrian Morohan, Ronald Acuna, Viotti Tavares, Juan Soto, handful of uh, – Yeah, these are all the international guys that have signed the best of the international crop that signed the last couple of years. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he was a top prospect just because of his name for one thing, but he he played last year in the major, in the minor leagues – and uh, really impressed. So it, his his prospect value now is not just because of the name. He's a real legitimate prospect, and I have him at, at like number 40 on my top 100 prospect list, which is uh, very high for such a young kid. And, and Kevin Maiton was the big signing this year, uh, the one that's, supposed, that's been compared to Miguel Cabrera so often, but he's only 16 years old. He's, you know, four or five years from the major leagues at a minimum. But he, he's a real exciting bat to watch in the minor leagues this year. And then Adrian Morahone uh, of the Padres was the big pitching signing in the uh, international free agency this past year. He's the best of the international pitchers that signed. Uh, it's not hugely hyped yet, but he was the best of the crop. Yeah, so we're, we're locked and loaded on young talent. Um, those are some names to keep in mind for you know a couple years from now, dynasty-wise definitely lock them down um but they won't have an immediate impact like the rest of the names but um yeah that is a lot of information in about an hour anything <laughs> else you'd like to throw in there nick no that's pretty much it that was fun i really enjoyed it thanks yeah, for having was, me on man no that was good like i said before we started my we could talk forever on prospects i don't know how we're gonna put it together in that quick a time but it worked out perfect I really appreciate uh, you jumping on. We'll definitely do something again sometime. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Wow. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Real Nick Doran. Uh, works, uh, you can find his work at Roto World, The Dynasty Guru, and Red Leg Nation. Nick, again, thanks for joining me, man. All right. Man. Um, Take care. Everybody, this was Benched with Bubba, episode 26, talking some MLB prospects. Thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next time.